Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Ding dong, the door rings and you go to the door and damn, your magic wand showed up. How cool is that? And it's got fresh batteries. You pull the wand out. You don't even bother with the instruction book. It's a flippin' magic wand. You you create an intention and you cast it into effect and poof, there it is. It has it has happened from intention to manifestation in very short order. Wow, how cool is that? Magic wands. Where can I order mine? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so excited for this episode. Tonight, the topic is A Journey Within Matthew, Book 2, and our guest tonight is Lynn Cochran Murphy. We're going to bring her on in just a minute. The tagline of the book is Living God Consciousness. Boy, that right there, is that not it? But let's go back to this one thing. So Jesus, Jesus performs these miracles. He creates food for the masses. He walks on water. He raises the dead. He heals the sick. And he says, you're going to do everything I'm going to do. So what the hell? I mean, what the hell? Shouldn't religions be teaching us alchemy or magic wand techniques? The magic wand is a metaphor for our own potential, our own consciousness, our own, I don't know, what would you say, divinity? Um, it's inherent, it's, it's hardwired within our, the core of our being. And we can't break it, we can't disconnect from it. It's stuck on us like a, a hot mess, and that's a good thing. We can, we can mess up, quote, mess up, unquote, until the cows come home. In fact, many of us have spent many, many lifetimes immersing ourselves in the shadow side of the human story, the shadow side of our human persona, the shadow side of fierce free will. We live on a planet that has fierce free will. So... How do, we, how do we even get around to embodying this, this divinity? How do we get around to, wow, I mean, living God consciousness, to, to reawaken the, the traits, the attributes, the, the promise, if you will, that we will do all that has been done before us and more. Over the decade that we've had this show, actually more than that, um, we've had many, many um, guests on that have talked about quantum consciousness. We've talked about alchemy. And um, the whole gist of this show is awakening the inherent divine potential of what it means to be a human being. So at some point, we should expect our proverbial wand to work. We should ex- expect to be the ones that heal the sick, that that uh, transform the condition of the moment in the moment. Wave the wand and poof. Wave the wand and poof. Wave the wand and poof. Like temporarily shortening the time it takes from a, for us to go from an intention to the manifestation of that intention. Well, to be raised in in a Western culture like the United States, there's a there's a lot of programming that goes on. Our our brains, our the way we think, the logic of our reasoning, so to speak, how we're hardwired, was initiated typically in our family of origin and through the academic and the institutional um, programs or even stigmas of, of the planet. But 
in order for us to really truly embrace our divinity and start to expect ourselves to have these effects, it is done unto us as we believe. We have to believe. I like the notion of faith. I heard a description of faith a very long time ago that said, no thought contrary. Faith is when you have no thought contrary. Well, what I like about tonight's show is the notion of reprogramming ourselves, to reprogram our mind to have a, uh, a more accurate sense of expectation for ourselves, a more accurate expectation of who we are going to evolve into sooner than later, if we so desire, who are we going to involve to as a persona of effect, a persona of power, a persona of divinity, if you will. So I think we should get right to it. Um, again, the topic tonight is A Journey with Matthew, and this is book two from, from a series of, I believe, will be three books. And again, the author is Lynn Cockrum Murphy, and she's our guest tonight. In the second book of the series, Danielle, this gets into the story of the first book and, and the continuity into the second book, now a married man, all of 20 years of age, heads out to another life-changing journey with Matthew. Along the way, Matthew reveals that this time they are going to meet with the Essenes, a Jewish sect who preserved and disseminated sacred knowledge. Daniel, always eager to learn and take on new experiences, is now opening. From an awakening Shown in book one, Daniel now discovers God consciousness in book two. The Asini elders invite Daniel to stay and study with them. With their guidance, increased awareness, and the ability to see the future are Daniel's new gifts. Our guest tonight, Lynn Cockrum Murphy, is a doctorate in educational leadership is a North Arizona University retired adjunct professor, is a retired special education teacher, a licensed substance abuse counselor, and advanced level certified theta healer and instructor. She is certified in access bars practicing. In addition to healing herself, she has studied and is now sought after for spiritual guidance, for healing, and her gentle, wise support. She has authored the first book, The Journey with Matthew, Awakening, and two nonfiction books, all best, all Amazon bestsellers. She is an intuitive and energy healer and spiritual teacher. She offers sessions classes, and retreats to help people heal and deepen their spiritual growth. You can learn more about her books and classes at lynncockrummurphy.com. We're going to repeat that web page at the end of the show. Join me in welcoming Lynn to the show. Lynn, it's so nice to have you have you back on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Les. I really appreciate you inviting me back, and I always enjoy our conversations. So, book two, that tagline, Living God Consciousness, just rings me like a bell. Living mm-hmm. God Consciousness, that's a, that's a pretty um, a bullseye statement, if you will. What... What uh, what brought this this um, perspective to book two? When I write these books, I always try to get into a higher state of consciousness myself, so that I can bring in that which is timely, that which we're ready and ripe for. So, you know, I don't think about it when I devise the title. I I let the title come to me 
just like I let the story in the book come to me. And as I write, it shows itself. And then I just check now and then to make sure that I'm on track and, you know, I'm bringing through the, the highest guidance that I can. So that's that's where it came from. I think originally it was living in God consciousness, and I thought I it, it can even be simpler than that, that we can live God consciousness. And I don't think at first it's a 100% of the time kind of thing. It's maybe touching it with your toe. It's experiencing it in someone's meditation class. And you get more and more opportunities as our souls are shifting and our bodies are shifting in this time period. We have more and more opportunities until with the awakening that is happening for everyone, then there'll be less less illusion, less drama, and more truth, and living as much in God consciousness as each person is ready for. But this is this is it. We've been headed here for a long time. And now we're going deeper. Well, the, um, like I said, we've had you on the show before. I know you've got a, a very powerful story that of, of your life, basically. I mean, you certainly didn't mm-hmm. have a silver spoon in your mouth. It, it, no. um, you had some very difficult struggles early in your life, and now you're writing books about living God consciousness. When we think about the tangibility, I mean, so often people can say, well, God consciousness is a nice concept, but I'm a mere mortal, I've got all these problems, my, you know, my car's broke, whatever, and and we kind of hold it at arm's length. What would you say to the listener as far as... Um, perhaps taking a fresh look at the notion of God consciousness and our own personas? Mm. Well, I think the truth is we are part of the God consciousness. We are a part that wanted to be individualized and know itself as itself and experience itself as something um, unique. And we've been doing this for a long, long time in different shape and form in different places. But each of us are part of that original signature, that that original thing that is so hard to put, to put a name to. So we're all part of that, and now we're re- releasing more of more of the illusion, as I said before so that more of the truth can come through us. I think that um, meditators probably recognize this through their moments in meditation when the stillness is so deep and they have so much awareness that it's like there are no more questions. I have so much knowing in this moment. I think it's it's that process, and we're we're all headed there, and no one gets left behind. I don't know if I fully answered your question, but that's where it took me. Well, um, oftentimes when we start our spiritual journey, we'll we'll read books, we'll attend seminars, and whatnot, and we see ourselves as seekers, and we're mm-hmm. um, the, the spiritual journeys vary as much as humanity itself. But mm-hmm. for me, um, it really seems like um, even in this last year, and perhaps even in the last few months, that uh, there's kind of a shift in in the notion of of God consciousness and book living God consciousness where a lot of people are seeing it as a 
a much more tangible aspect of themselves. When you look at your own journey, um, can you share with us how you uh, came about to embracing this concept of living guide consciousness? Sure. Sure, it's really been a a journey. I think it's interesting about the book, start with that title, A Journey with Matthew. That the, the things that you mentioned about earlier in my life, um, there were a lot of a lot of trials and, and traumas and um, deaths and losses and um, abuse. And until I was 25 years old, it was really awful. What's interesting is my response to that because I decided I wouldn't have an alcohol problem like I'd seen in so many people in my family. I um, I had been introduced to several different churches, and I knew that there was something there that could could make me feel better, that could help, that I could trust. And I had metaphysical experiences from when I was young. Um, that's some of what's in the Unfolding the Mystery of Life book. So because of that, I knew, like in, in my soul, that I was headed somewhere, just keep going. And then on the other hand, what I went through when I was younger developed in me compassion. So that when I meet other people who are having a hard time, I care and I want to be there for them in whatever way helps. So I think that's why I got the counseling license. Um, also because I wanted to understand, I took a lot of psychology classes, I wanted to understand what is going on with people. But you put all that together and then I... Um, studied with spiritual teachers. I lived in a um, metaphysical commune for set four years, and I continued to study with those people after that. I lived in a, um, in a Buddhist commune before that for just a couple of years. So I was studying, and the, you use the word seeker. I was a seeker. I wanted to know... I wanted to know what some people had that I didn't have that would give me peace. And as I kept going, then I ran into Theta Healing, and I think that that's when things really started becoming satisfying for me and less of the seeking and more of the I know where the peace is. I know how to get that stillness within. I know how to step out of the drama of life and step into states of higher consciousness. Because with theta healing, you learn to move into the theta brainwave state, which is technically a sleep state, but we do it while we're conscious and awake. And from there, we have connection and amazing access to to wisdom and truth. And so that's the place I hang out as much as I possibly can. I was even warned once, like, don't be doing that while you're driving the car. Well, if I can be connected in that space of God consciousness and drive my car and be alert, then then I'll take that too because I don't want to be separate at all. And I think that's true of most all human beings, that those that are looking for something greater than themselves, they don't want to ever be separate from it. We've been separate. And now it's moving back to the Godhead. So when you t- when you talk about that theta space of consciousness, mm-hmm. how do you uh, um, to 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 connect with that and um, uh, develop a relationship with that and get more familiar with that and and have it more integrated into your in and day out experience? Did that? Uh, after you after you had that connection with the theta, how do you see yourself um, evolving your consciousness now? I mean, to have that connection with source, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that mm-hmm. that theta connection, um, 
how does your evolution change now that that connection has been established? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a lot of it then becomes figuring out when you're in your own way and using the dating healing method to reduce those, or remove those blocks so that you can access more and more and more of your highest self. We have so many um, limiting beliefs. We have um, agreements, promises, contracts, so much that's in place usually in a person's life that we remove those and then you have greater access and you can stay there more and more of the time. It doesn't mean that I can't have an argument with my husband and be snotty because that can still happen. (laughs) But most of the time there's a, a greater awareness that I am not my body, my body is a tool that I'm grateful to have, that I am part of, I'm an essence that's always been and will always be, and it came from something greater than itself. It's part of something greater than itself. And so I just live in that knowing now. It's funny because every once in a while I'm reminded, like, that's not everybody else's truth. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> it's, it's where I live, you know. And, yeah. and yeah, everybody's different. Well, I like that, um, the notion of giving yourself, I don't know, I don't want to, maybe this is the wrong way to phrase it, permission to be in your divine snottiness. When, when we think about... <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just love that you said that. Um, um, so a lot of times religion paints this um, um, righteousness template, like religion has defined some kind of a righteousness template, and mm-hmm. if we just all snap ourselves into this cookie-cutter mold of righteousness template, we'll, we'll all qualify to be saved and and, um, candidates for heaven. Um, My question is, um, to to be in that theta state, to be connected to source consciousness and still not see the same as another, how how does sovereignty, personal sovereignty, um, weigh in with source consciousness, because one might think that, well, once we all connect with source consciousness, we'll all have the same same exact desires, exact same intentions. Um, what would you say to that? Yeah, I, I would used to think about that, and that I didn't want to lose my individuality. So, So when I have concerns like that, I look at people like um, Paramahansa Yogananda, who wrote Autobiography of a Yogi, or I think of other perfected people, uh, Jesus, that these people had their preferences. They, you know, they probably preferred figs and dates and yogurt over gruel. You know, they were human. And yet, there was a part of them that was so awake and advanced and so connected to the totality of all that is that they're just beings of love. They exude that loving kindness that we talk about in Buddhism. So that is... I guess I I see that as there are examples, they're the way to be, and we approximate that to the best of our ability. And so if if one day I'm, I'm depressed or I'm snotty, that's just part of the stepping stones that we go over or the rocks that we trip over on our way. What matters is how do we treat others? How generous are we? Do we, um, do we ever put others before ourselves? 
it's those those acts random acts of kindness that that we live that really make a difference well i, I like that it well, consciousness never intended to have a singular outcome it, for me i mean if you look at yes uh, when i when i look at the expression of source consciousness yeah it it's curious on uh, on social media i I've got the search engines respond to me clicking on expressions of nature. And these, this might be a, <clears throat> a, sea, a sea urchin or a butterfly or a badass caterpillar. And it's like the more I look into the depths of nature, the more exquisite diversity, exquisite dynamic range mm-hmm. of expression. And... It, it seems like we're not here to, to corral ourselves into one mold of, quote, divinity, unquote. It's like just because we're awakened and connected to source consciousness doesn't mean um, we have to give up organic whiskey shooters or getting a tattoo or riding a Harley. You know what I mean? I mean, there's no template. <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the, the with what you're saying right now and what you were saying earlier is there's no judgment about those things. Right. You know that we don't have to be in judgment of each other or judgment of ourselves, which is what people really do and are very very hard on themselves. So, if we let that go and practice being an acceptance, being an allowance, Boy, that just takes a burden off our shoulders. It's like it's not my job to make others behave, and it is my job to appreciate, notice the goodness that is, and just trust that everything's okay. I like that. Our souls, I think, have have their own um, preferences, if you will, and mm-hmm. um, I guess perhaps a compassion towards ourselves, like you like you had just said that our uh, our ju- the judgment we have towards ourselves is perhaps some of the most um, profound, and and to mm-hmm. kind of dismantle that. Give ourselves some wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Up on that on that judgment of ourselves can can really help us um, open up. If we think of ourselves um, as budding Jesus, because Jesus said, "Come on, belly up to the bar. You're going to do everything I'm going to do." If, if mm-hmm. we're if we look at ourselves as in the evolution of our own personal Jesus. Sounds like a song from the 60s. Uh, I like that. (laughs) um, um, We have to kind of let go and and loosen up and lighten up on ourselves. How do you you dismantle that that sense of self without losing your your own sovereignty, your own authenticity? Such a good question. Um, I don't think we're in danger of losing that. I think that some people choose to live so closely with God they don't want to interact with others, and so they might choose a, a monastery or a mountaintop. Dave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think you can be a mystic and be in the city. I Anything's possible, and a lot of the constraints that we might have had in the 50s and 60s, we don't have anymore. Everybody takes yoga, you know. It can be your grandmother and your 10-year-old cousin. Everybody can be there and do the little meditation at the end. It's amazing. I think uh, that the... Huh? 
No, go ahead. So I think that that the Matthew books are an example of one man, the one named Matthew, who is like living a God-conscious life. And his friend Daniel shows up and is like, I want to hang out with you more because you've got something that that I want. And so he spends time with him, he studies him, and he asks him questions like, why do you sit in silence every morning? Why do you sit in silence before you go to bed at night? And um, when we had that experience, you said an angel visited you. What was that all about? Tell me all about that. So I think that we access more if we're curious and we ask questions and we hang out with wise people. And that's some of what, you know, the story showed us just in the fun of a story. I also think that living God consciousness means that you're more aware of divine timing. That's that being in the right place at the right time and all those little miraculous things that happen and that happens in the story. Um, It means finding a wise teacher and being discerning because some teachers can look wise but have a side agendas. So a wise teacher and then accessing, using tools, to access higher states of consciousness. There are people that I've met. There was a fellow up in Sedona that was pretty good at helping people move into higher states of consciousness. Um, Vianna Stibble, who was one of my teachers, um, certainly does that for people. And her stuff is all over the web. When I teach classes, I do that for my students. I, you know, walk them through a process so that they go from ordinary alpha state consciousness, which is what this is right now as we're talking, into theta state consciousness, or maybe even into delta while awake, because delta is also sleep state. So we don't have to play by any small rules. We can challenge them. We can go as far as we want to. So we can be Jesus-like. We can be like Yogananda or these other great teachers that we've studied. I think because so much of the veil, we talk about the veil between this plane and the other planes, is so much thinner now. We have access to wise spiritual teachers that are on the other side also. I know that whenever I have a nightmare, I ask Jesus to come and stand by my bed because I feel very safe and protected when I do that. And, and when I ask him to come, he like stays until I go back to sleep. And then I don't know what he does. But they're there for us. And that veil is very thin. I think that we see here and know things that we didn't have access to 25 years ago. Well, I agree. It's it's like um, this radio show, and there's how there's what millions of podcasts on the planet mm-hmm. now. It, it's so accessible to connect with information, not only as far as um, within space, like all over the planet, but um, the, the wisdom of the history, the the wisdom of time, has been, um, I don't know, reawakened through the internet. Well, you know, um, in, in your book, the well, what I really like about it is that. You had mentioned how um, Daniel, I, I think, would ask questions. It, when we, yes. a lot of times we don't know what we don't know, so to speak, especially when we think about the etherical aspect of theta. It's not 
something you keep in your cupboard or there's not a jar of it that you, you know. It, and, right. and sometimes we don't know um, how to approach it. Like imagine taking a class in chemistry and the professor stands up and says, okay, ask me any question you want. You don't know what question to ask. I mean, you don't, you know what I mean? You don't have that right. context. And what I, what I really enjoy about your book is that it, through story, it brings that inquisitive uh, investigation, if you will, about what are the aspects that, that make make them different. What what I mean, there's a, it, it's like there's a knowing that I want more of that, but what <laughs> is that? And and through that questioning, that interrogation, so to speak. I love how you reveal that through story. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, Matthew makes it really easy for Daniel, and Daniel is a curious type. These are young people. It, so Matthew, on occasion, will do something miraculous and to either to feed people or to save people or something, something big. And Daniel will just totally participate and then afterwards go, wow, what was that? How'd you do that? Tell me more. And eventually Daniel changes. And by the second book, he reveals that um, he heals a child. And then when someone asks me about it, he says that, well, I've been, I'd watched Matthew and I've been practicing on myself and, and the animals on my farm, but this was the first time it was a person. And how could you not, if you had any ability at all, how could you not heal the child when the child's in pain? And so it's very human, but it's very compassionate. And he has grown and developed skills because he wanted what the wisdom and the the gifts that others had, and wanted them not in like a, a some um, negative fashion, but in a way that motivated him to learn and grow. Well, very nice. I mean, the, you're literally describing the notion of, of what Jesus said when he said, come on, come on, belly up to the bar. You're going to do everything I have done. And you're bringing that evolution of self, if you will. I mean, Daniel actually puts himself in that position of healer. And and so many religions kind of skirt the notion of their... Um, of their followers actually actually evolving somewhere. It's more of get in line and we'll follow Jesus around and worship him. Uh, I, I love the, the notion of a school classroom, and, and it, it's about the physics of all that is. It's about the physics of miracles, the physics of love, and everybody's studying away, and, and damn, Jesus gets done. And he goes up and he hands in his paper and he gets an A and everybody puts their pencils down and starts worshiping the the A student and they quit involving yeah. themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, well, fortunately, we, we had a model like that to aspire to who said, yeah, you you can do what I've, what I've done. You'll do this too. It's wonderful that he told us that. And that that's been passed down. The other example I wanted to give was um, Buddha calls us bodhisattvas, which means little Buddhas. You know, like we're Buddhas in development. So I think that the truest, most evolved of the masters, they know that and they want to um, gift that to us and support us and and having what they have. They're not, you know, they're not jealous masters there. They want this for us. I went to India last year and spent three weeks studying in the temples and experiencing the different temples there. 
And there was one fellow in particular who, um, he spent a lot of time in America. He started the Hare Krishna movement here in America. And um, every time I'd get in one of his temples or around his posters and stuff, he would talk to me. And he's been deceased for at least 30 years. But it's like this living, the living energy of who he is hasn't left the planet. You know, you can't see his body, but he's still here to teach. I just think that that's that's incredible. Just like um, people who are channels and can tune in to and hear, you know, ask Jesus a question and hear the answer and so on. There's so much available to us. I think all we have to do is um, open ourselves, remove our blocks and open ourselves, and we have access to so much. And they they don't experience time like we do. They don't have this no. linear um, this dogma. That, um, they can be everywhere and every when at the same time because yeah, time different. So, well, it's interesting um, that they have that, and we have linear time because it works for us here and in the physical. And to contemplate how it is for them, I can't even fully wrap my mind around it. You know, I just know that it's it's all all at all at one one thing one time. Yeah, well, I, there there have been uh, examples of people who have become fully awakened, and they do they describe their ego, their sentence generator, as um, dumbfounded with awe when they see the the multidimensional aspect of all that is. Well, you know, I really love I love where you're going with these series of books, and, and I, I just love how, you, how you're doing that through story. Now, do you have an inkling of book three? I mean, how are you how are you going to evolve this story into the next book, or is it? Too All I know about book three is. Matthew and Daniel will be present, but it's more about the women um, that I mentioned in the story. There's Simone and and just a few others. Simone really steps into her own and becomes a, a, a wise teacher to women because of the influence of Matthew and Daniel and because of who she is. And so the third book is going to have so much about these women. Um, I don't, you know, I never intentionally under-addressed women in the first books. It was really about the spirit and these men that, that spoke to me. Um, and now it'll be the spirit of the women that are showing us their gifts and how they do it. So that's all I know about it so far. It has started, but it's not, it's not finished. Um, also, Book one, I had it recorded as an audio book. So for people who'd rather listen, like people who like podcasts, who'd rather listen to the book than read it, you can get that on Amazon. And um, it's very, very pleasant. I know the person who um, did the recording. And it's, it's very easy to listen to. It's good pacing. And then book two... This book, Living God Consciousness, will be recorded um, very soon. As this book is like in the release process. There's one step until the book will be available for purchase, and that's the final uploading to Amazon. So we're like right there at the precipice. I'll have to just push the button tonight. Right. Well, very nice. Um, well... Let's let's talk about. I mean, we've been talking about your your books, and um, can you share with the audience um, your modalities? I mean, you're a Thady healer and instructor. Um, kind of share with us all the opportunities you offer that are listening. Sure. So you know, originally. 
I just studied energy healing. There was like color healing and there was laying on of hands. And then, um, then there was Reiki. And then there was theta healing. And now it's, um, a lot of what I like to do for people when I do healing work is do a body scan and with their permission, you know, look inside and see what their body is saying energetically because sometimes it's really, really happy. There was a gentleman I did a, a body scan for recently. He's a podcaster. And his throat chakra was like the happiest chakra I've ever seen because it was being allowed to be um, engaged in the expression and expressiveness on a daily basis. So, so that was really interesting. But then there are times that I've seen um, a dark spot on someone's chest and then found out that that's where um, she put all the loss that she experienced when her husband passed. And so she was keeping it as a wound. It was, it was so painful. Um, so with the body scans, it's just amazing. You never know what's going to come up. With one person, um, I did hers in California, and the top half of her body was like, yes, I love my work. I'm so engaged in life. This is great. I'm making a difference. And the bottom half of her body was saying, let me rest. I'm so tired. <laughs> just need to rest. It was so interesting. So that's one part of the work that I do, and it really tells people a lot and then from that, we can do the downloading on what they need, and I just ask Creator to give that to them, and then use the theta state to to um, do the witnessing. Uh, we can release pain, shock, trauma, all those things that um, that keep you blocked or stuck. There's no reason to stay in any of those those painful places. So those are some of the techniques that I use. When I teach, there's more. You know, there's, we'll do group manifesting. We'll do um, setting of intention. We'll expand our intuition. We'll, I'll move everybody up into that theta state so they can all experience higher states of consciousness. Um, a lot of the people that take my new classes have taken my old classes and so they know some of that but we'll bring everybody up to speed and then one of the other things that comes from it is inner peace so even through the, the year of COVID even through the tragedies that our country has experienced in the last few weeks there's awareness of that but it doesn't disturb my peace. There can be sadness, and but it isn't, how can I say that? It isn't my pain. I stay in my peace, and I'm aware of the pain and the sadness that is occurring around. Very nice. Oh, you know what I didn't mention is the Imagine You program that I've got starting up, Imagine You, you Changing the World, is going to start at the end of April, and it's going to run for three months. It's very affordable, considering it's a long term, and I'm only planning on opening it to nine people. So that's coming up, and you can find that on my webpage under Imagine You, under Services and Classes. The, um, the other thing is I'm always available to work with people, and you can um, get on my calendar through uh, my website. If you, if you just want a 15-minute consultation to talk to me and see if it's a fit, we can do that with no charge. Um, if you sign up through the website, then there is a fee for an hour of work, and I, I have three-month programs, I have six-month programs, or we can do an hour. So whatever, whatever meets a person's needs. Well, very nice. Why don't you share your, your website URL? It is www.lynn, and my name is L-Y-N-N-E, Cockrum, 
C-O-C-K-R-U-M, then a hyphen, Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y, dot com. Or you can also find it through um, DesertJewel.org. That works, too. Um, and there's a contact page in the website, so you can just send me a note if you want to talk further, um, if you, you know, just have a question or something like that. Well, very nice. Now, Lynn, I'm no spractologist, but you're writing books about living God consciousness. Huh. I mean, that's not your run-of-the-mill topic. How do you see, um, if you were to take a step back and, and look at your life over the last six months and then maybe three years ago and five years ago, do you see a change in the pacing? Do you see a change in the evolution of yourself as you, as you um, take on, so to speak, the very prominent and powerful topic? I think it's just it's just my evolution. I chose to have this kind of life, this kind of awareness. I have a marriage with a person who's super supportive. He's like, great, you want to do that? Do that. Um, and the books, you know, the first book was a, the Living Hope book, was really about my life and my pain and overcoming. And the second book, Unfolding the Mystery, of self was about our spirituality and the mysterious things that happen. And then I went into the Matthew series, which is talking about this process of moving into God consciousness, but through a story with just some really nice young people. And so it has a lighter tone. It's kind of nice. I think, um, and then the other way that I do things is through programs, and I have, I think, three of them listed on my webpage. So I invite people to, to check it out. Check out the books, the audio book. I mean, that's a, that's a whole new thing. Talking about make it easy for people who still have to commute. You know, like listening to a podcast, they can listen to, to an audio book, and they're very affordable. Yeah. Um, very nice. Last, last year, 2020, has brought so much upheaval and change to what we would consider the normal. And the future is still a variable, and we are the creators of the future. From your perspective, what attributes do you see um, coming into our experience as, as a whole? In other words, um, what do you? How do you see humanity evolving from all this change, and and how will that show up in in the future of our human experience? I think that we have had a major jolt, and that has been the year 2020 and into 2021. It's as if we we're on a highway, all speeding in one direction, and then there was some kind of blockage, and we made a, it almost like a right-hand turn. We made a sharp turn. And a lot of people have chosen to leave the planet at this time. And that's, you know, that's okay. That's what was best for them. And now, moving forward, there's some caution that will be in place for a while. And I think there will be a new level of respect because those of us that are here more and more are waking up. And I don't think that you can wake up without some love for humanity. And so that love for humanity will continue to expand. And the old ways, it's like when they tore down the wall in Germany, the old ways are coming down. doesn't mean nothing bad will ever happen because the earth is going to continue to go through some of its changes. But you can count on the fact that your soul is safe, that you're watched over by angels, that people and all the unseen 
loved ones and family and ancestors are paying attention and they know and they care about you. It's like I said in the subtitle of the book, we are never alone. Well, very nice. Um, I knew this would be a delightful episode, and I very much enjoyed it. I want to, I want to thank you, Lynn, for being back on our show tonight. Um, I, I very much appreciate what you're doing with your books, and and it's always a delight having you on the show. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Les. It's a real pleasure. You're so easy to be with. We've been talking with Lynn Cockrum Murphy, and the topic tonight has been the title of her latest book, A Journey with Matthew, Book Two, Living God Consciousness. Now, I'm going to spell Matthew because it's not (laughs) what you think it is. The title of the book is A Journey with Matthew, and Matthew's spelled M-A-T-I-T. Y-A-H, it's such a delightful book to bring living God consciousness into your consciousness through story. How nice is that? The the role of the human, I think, is changing. As part of the upheaval that humanity is going through right now, the role of the individual, the human being, the you, the me, is moving from being a spoke on a wheel, in other words, where the, 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 what should I say, in the past, the um, control, the wisdom, the, the uh, hub has been institutions, religions, academics. And with the, with the transformation of our human story that we're going through right now, I suggest that that model is going to flip over and the human being is going to be the hub. In other words, personal sovereignty, personal dominion. We are all source consciousness personified. If I want to get closer to God, it's not outside of me. It's not in institution. It's not in academics. It's not in religions. It's in nothing outside of me. It's an inside job. Certainly in the in the course of our human story, there's been so much suffering and pain, and I don't need to go into that. It's quite evident through the history of planet Earth. When we, when we move into the, the core of us and we connect with that source consciousness, when we open our hearts and, and we heal our personas, we are literally bringing the vibration of heaven from within us. The kingdom of heaven is within us. We become the vehicle of wisdom. We become the vehicle of love. We become the, the, the language, the mouth, the, the centerpiece, if you will. The, the human persona becomes the hub. And there's nothing outside of us that man can create physically or virtually, no institution, no anything that man can create that has more dominion over our own sovereign divine self. Thank you, the listener, tonight. I love bringing you episodes like this. It's so much fun watching humanity evolve through these most dynamic and crazy times on planet Earth. You showed up for yourself, and I appreciate that. Since we've been talking about divine consciousness, my latest book, Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior, will ask, I don't know, a hundred or so questions. Um, that's not the format of the book, but it'll, it'll uh, challenge your understanding of your relationship with divinity. If, if you're looking to heal your relationship with the notion of, quote, God, unquote, Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Day, something that would you would relate to. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Always a pleasure. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. 
Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.